I just want to take a couple of minutes to talk about one of the sponsors of our podcast, and that is 503 Sports. 503 Sports is a site very well known for their throwback merchandise for a multitude of leagues, whether it be, for example, the World League of American Football, the World Football League, or in our case, the Arena Football League. I mean, if you're looking for any type of throwback merchandise from those teams that don't exist anymore, whether it be shirts, caps, customizable jerseys that you can get your own name and number, Detroit Drive, San Jose Sabercats, what? They're the place that has them. And just for our listeners of the podcast, they have a special offer just for you. If you use the promo code ARENAFAN, when you check out, you'll get 10% off your very first order. So head over to 503-sports.com, use the promo code ARENAFAN, get 10% off, and you want to thank them for being a sponsor of AFL Tonight. And welcome to AFL Tonight, ArenaFan.com's weekly look at everything arena football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with Ben Fertinale, John Stark. John Stark. Oh, hey. Hey. How are you guys? Uh, Friggin' great, Tim. I come at you live from Chicago, Illinois, in an Airbnb on an orange couch with a huge window that has no shade. Everyone's looking at me on the street. Oh, everyone's actually throwing shade because there is no shade. Yeah, they're like, you need a shade. This is unsightly. You're hand holding a microphone on an orange couch talking to Tim Capper and John Stark. John, that's a great comeback. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going well for me, too. Just a good, good week. Yeah. Um, Two teams had good weeks this week. I don't know if the, the league had a good week. Especially when it came. Well, that's an interesting topic, Tim. I guess we can discuss it. We're, yes, we are. We are going to have to, obviously. But, yes, uh, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, if if there was any, <laughs> if there was anything that could throw, uh, you know, throw something into the ointment for the playoffs structure the way that it currently is, this weekend was it. Because you know, last year, you know, Al Albany was a plus one, and um, Baltimore was a plus twelve. This year, well, <laughs> uh, let's see, plus 35 and plus 36. Um, you said throw something into the ointment. I don't want to move past that. Why? Is that an expression in Canada? No. Okay. All right. No. It's a new expression. Uh, well, yeah, well I, I, I was trying to say fly, put a fly, you know, there's flying. Uh, fly in the I see. Yes. Uh, okay. Proceed. Yes. Hence Acceptable. this week's episode title. So... <laughs> Um, but you know, let, let's guys, let's, before we talk about how, well, you know what, you know what, let's talk, let's talk about, uh, how bad this actually is. <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we'll talk about the game stuff. Cause there were some great performances for both these games and we can't just glance over that. But it, so it's year two. I didn't get a chance to see for the last time that it occurred in pro sports where there was a, a two game aggregate, which was in the CFL back in the eighties. Uh, so I didn't get to see, see what the plus minus was for the aggregate there, but uh, ben, do you think, and we we are hearing things that there there's a possibility that the aggregate series will go away if there are more teams next year. But Ben, does this really throw a kink if they decide to keep this next year, or is it, you know, as I said, last year was last year, this year is this year. What's what's your thoughts? Well, I think first of all, regarding the regarding the idea that this may be the last year, I think it definitely is the last year because. 
the reason for its existence is just like last year, only four teams made the playoffs, right. which they had to do because they couldn't have another season where every team made the playoffs. So by necessity, this year and last year, both had four teams in the playoffs. So they had to give more home games to those franchises and do something to make it interesting so uh-huh. there wasn't only one playoff game. So I do absolutely think that next year that will be abolished because six teams will make the playoffs, I'm guessing. I don't think they're going to have four teams make it next year. And as for whether this was a debacle, I mean, yes, it was. It was really unfortunate that both uh, that two teams absolutely chunked it and that you know they were such basically made the the next two games completely meaningless. But I think from the perspective of the Arena Bowl itself, when when, when we forget about these two weeks, which I don't know that every fan will forget about it, but if if you just put aside these two weeks, if the Arena Bowl is the Albany Empire hosting the Philadelphia Soul, that's fantastic. Right. And if you're the AFL and last year you had a really bad situation with hosting and you tried to make it so that Baltimore couldn't host and you didn't want the game to be at the least attended stadium. And this year you're seeing the strongest fan base supporting the home team for the Arena Bowl. I mean, that's what they wanted. They wanted the game to be in Albany last year. So from the league's perspective, yeah, it sucks a little bit, the, the, these two playoff games going the way they did. But they're still getting the dream of Albany hosting the game, the history of that, yeah. the the hype of that, the sellout crowd. And, and I think it's a net positive in the end just because I know this is what they really wanted. So that's my take on it. John, I mean, that's like a nail on the head, Ben. A nail right on the head. Right, like thank you, thank you, John. Cleanly driven, one hit, done. (laughs) (laughs) That's my one hitter for the evening. (laughs) But really, though, I definitely agree with you, man. I just, I think that it's unfortunate that the games were lopsided, and I don't. I mean, lopsided. Do I want to say it that way? Albany and Philly are just hot and on streaks so it it doesn't necessarily matter that it was a you know playoff game one of the aggregate like no it was week 14 and yeah they they just they won those games and that was that that's that's a fair way of putting it right um i mean going into the games i thought that you know i i've always been the proponent when they ever since the league announced it uh this aggregate series but just looking at how badly, you know, think of it. Arvell Nelson, Shane Boy just tanked. They chunked it. It really, they really, yeah, they really did. And for for a guy like Arvell Nelson, who is in the, who is in the talk to be, you know, the offensive player of the year and possibly an MVP, it's, uh, you, you don't, you really didn't expect it to happen. But going back to the series, I mean, it, it is what it is. I agree with you, Ben, that I think the league wanted another matchup last year. They want a good matchup this year. And by looks of it, that's what they're going to get in a place where it will be, should be packed. Uh, unless yeah. they're, by some miracle, both these teams or one of these teams uh, basically destroys the other. So it's, I, 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 it has to be done. Now, my question to you guys, because Ben, you said possibly six teams. And by the way, we've not heard a thing here. So with Ben bringing up six teams, that was very interesting um, because they would need to actually expand the schedule in order for these teams to keep the extra home games. Do With them losing, possibly getting rid of the aggregate, whether it be eight or ten teams, whatever it's going to be, do you see them adding more games, John? Because 
you know, teams are going, they don't want the teams to lose these home games and this extra money. So in order to do that, they got to add more home games during the regular season. What, what do you think, John? Is it a fair guess? <laughs> it's hard to say because it seems like the AFL has been okay as of late the last two, three years with this, with the schedules being unbalanced. Yeah. And, and we see in the NFL the it's a tradition that the schedule is unbalanced, so to speak. I mean, you've got your divisional rivals in your home and away games with them, and then you see some other teams from different divisions throughout throughout the year. So maybe if there are enough teams for divisions, we could have more home games with the divisional teams. Right. And then a couple random games with teams from the other division. Right. But But what I'm saying, though, is... They need to add more games to the schedule. Sure, because Period. there's going to be more teams. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you could do with eight, eight, with eight. If it's say if it's eight and six make it, you still have teams that have bye weeks. So I bend to your your thought. I, I really think that eight teams will probably make the playoffs next year. Because if you not, think then, eight teams will make it, if you have six, it's an. Uh, you, how are you going to do six in a playoff? Wait, wait how, they're never going to have every team make the playoffs again. I no, think that was like no, a thing. I, I, that, I was thinking. I was thinking with ten. I was thinking with ten. But if you have six, then you have to have one team that's going to have to have a buy the division. Well, let's ass, let's assume there will be eight teams next year because I haven't really gotten any indication they're actually going to add four teams. Right. So right, no, same. Let's same. just say there's eight. Okay. So uh, yeah, I think there would have to be a bye week. But but I think it would be a more traditional playoff at least. Right. It, it, we wouldn't have to deal with this sort of wonky. Yeah. Rough shot format, but I also do think they would probably add two weeks, have a fifteen week schedule. Yeah, yeah go back to 13. how it was in twenty seventeen. Yeah, which you know I don't see that as a problem at all. That that yeah. helps and adds a home game for the playoff teams that do host, which is kind of a reward that they deserve. Hey, you know what I mean? And if they do, if one team does get a buy, if there are six, and one team or two teams to get a buy, then they they will still get their home game, so they would still win in the end. Right. So I, mean, I think it works out. If you add two more weeks to the season and make it a 15 week season, then it all ends up working out. Everyone still gets the same amount of home games and the playoff teams that do host are rewarded for being good. So, so and get saying, an extra financial so boost. 14 games and a bye week. Yes. OK. Yeah. OK. Just wanted to make sure. OK. Yeah. And looking at um, I mean, it, it, it's something that the league, I understand, had to do. It was just a, a thing that. I'm curious to know what I one thing we haven't heard guys is the the thought process behind and what made them think of having a two game aggregate series. <laughs> yeah, what was the origin I, from we, last year, you mean? Yeah, we well, yeah, I mean we it was a creative idea. It, it, I mean, it, it, to get around the problem they had. Right, and it's very possible you know, maybe if teams signed a contract that had, you know, they had to have nine games at a at a, at a specific location, maybe that's what caused That was what I heard. I, I heard that that in recruiting expansion franchises, they couldn't be advertising the lower amount of games, and there were certain stadium contracts that required it. And yeah, and I had heard it was I, a creative way to get around it. Yeah, yeah, and and Albany had the extra home game anyways last year, so right, right, which was a little weird. Yeah, but. Well, yeah, Philly giving up that home game of theirs. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll find out uh, if probably won't find out till later on after arena bowl what will be the playoff structure and how many teams will make the playoffs but it would be nice if the league could announce it immediately i mean um what's your thought since since we last tape what's your thought on the idea of if philly were to host 
that it would be played in Atlantic City because of the current issue with, uh, I think there's a concert already scheduled for the, sun, for the Sunday. Um, does this, because of that and, and what happened last year, does this possibly put a thought into their heads about with the league looking at and bringing back neutral site game for the first time since, uh, what was it, uh, Arena Bowl 26? Do you think the league looks at that type of thing again, or is it, or is it too early, John? I think that they, I think that they're looking at that. Yeah, I, I very much have gauged that. I've got that feeling. Okay, and uh, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's good. I think it's a good thing, and I think I'd be happy to see that come back. I think that is going to help avoid situations like if Philadelphia hosts the Arena Bowl, it has to be in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. If you're able to book a date out a year in advance, that pretty much secures that venue. I yeah. mean, that's that's exactly why that's exactly why these you know nationwide tours for these recording artists are booked out 8 10 12 months in advance. Right. And and also I think you know if you take Commissioner Bo's interview that we did, you take his his answer to our question about what Atlantic City represents for the AFL, I think you can sort of extrapolate uh, what he was saying when he said that they look at every game in Atlantic City like an advertisement for the AFL. Now, the AFL in, the, in its current system and, and the way it's set up as a business model, you could have the Arena Bowl hosted anywhere and it represents an advertisement for the AFL as a business. It's true. So, you know, yes, o- Albany hosting Albany hosting is the best advertisement for the AFL this year, I think, because it's on ESPN. They want the, it to be the best product possible. They want it to look the best for protect, uh, prospective um, investors. So if we take that generally as just the current philosophy of the AFL from a business perspective, it makes total sense to have a neutral site. And I think all of us have sort of heard grumblings about that. I mean, Atlantic City represents that oh, yeah. this year. Yeah. As, I mean, not that it's going to happen because there's no way Baltimore wins next week but or wins by 36, 37 points. But, um, yeah, I think it's definitely in the cards. What? So to speak – what what is what's your and again and I had to ask going back what do you say to those people who who hear well oh god they're thinking about going back to a neutral site games they they were you know they didn't do so well why not have it at the at the host city uh, the the team with the best record or the team with the best you know attendance what just what would you say to fans that are once we know if it does occur you know the fans are going to do it again. You know they're going to say it again. I'd say those. I honestly think those fans are not wrong. I think I think the AFL, which is like a very homegrown kind of league, where the concept, at least originally, was that you know you've got these really strong local fan bases who go absolutely crazy for arena football, even if the nation doesn't know about the sport or care as much as yeah. these local fans. Yeah. And that's why these like home arena ball games have such hype to them because you know this this groundswell get so excited for the game. And, and that's just not the case when you have it in New Orleans, where especially now that there's no team there, no one even knows what the game is. Yeah, I and it's that, really yeah. just an event, and it's kind of sterile. Yeah. So I think they're right in, if they complain about it. But the league would also be right in hosting it somewhere neutral because of what I was just saying about it being sort of an ad and the, the gambling angle and, and the AFL being a singular product now. So I think there's both sides are are correct, and I think the AFL kind of, it's a kind of a win win. Yeah. Uh, it, as long as you have the game in cities where they're going to get a huge crowd, like Philly and Albany, and it's a it's a losing proposition when it ends up in Baltimore, even though that kind of worked out. Um, so I think overall, every side has a has a correct perspective about it. 
and they will obviously be able to people will be able to book hotels and flights and whatever whatever because you know when the game's <laughs> yes. going to be which right. which i like we're 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 crossing fingers that right now that's based on the current scores that that's the way it's going to be i mean uh, john are you, are you a proponent of a neutral site i mean you've never gone through one before but i mean are you are you propon- are you for it or are you against it I'm I'm for it, but I can definitely see why uh, a diehard fan of a specific team would be against it or have a problem with it, at least just simply because, you know, a case in point, Albany, you know, that's like terror for other teams to come in there and have to play. That is a huge home field advantage in Times Union Center. So to have to make all all your fans or a portion of your fan base travel somewhere else, maybe six hours away from where they normally come to watch the game, not everyone's going to come. And that home field advantage is not going to be like it was. It's going to be a neutral site. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, it makes things easier planning out easily six, eight months in advance sure. with making reservations and getting things in order uh, instead of having to scramble two, two or three weeks sometimes and, you know, get that taken care of. And not just for myself personally, but for the thousands and tens of thousands of people that are involved with the AFL. For sure. Um I thought one of the most interesting things about the games this week, guys, is that uh, the halftime scores in both games were basically identical. I think it was, what, 20 to 7 was one and 21 to 6 was the other. Margin of victory was almost identical I, until the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just crazy. And as I said, that we everybody knows what, what the games were, and we're going to try to go over just a little bit here who, who stood out the most for each of these games because we do have Hall of Famer Seth Bonner going to be joining us in a little bit. Talk about the playoffs. Talk about we have some questions and questions that uh, you fans sent us uh, on social media, and we want to ask them those questions. And uh, uh, we have we have some news to talk about after the fact, and uh, once we get to uh, once we get past Sed's interview. But um, for uh, John, uh, Ben, I know you were at the game in Albany. Uh, Your it seems that your your most recent fifty yard uh, uh, social post really put everything into perspective from the team's point of view because it the speech by coach keith was amazing that was that was that was the one on the arena league site right yeah that was such a good speech and your other one also that you just i think you posted maybe about two hours ago uh was amazing too what was what did you what did you get from the team while you were there it was i I think albany came out just absolutely so hot i mean that that was definitely the impression i mean that's not to say Baltimore wasn't too, because before the game, Baltimore seemed really ready to go. But there's just a difference between there's a huge difference between Omar Smith and Rob Keefe, and I actually do want to ask Seth about that yeah. um, because Omar Smith is so low key. I know behind closed doors he has another side, but in general he's not giving off the heat that Rob Keefe is. And you know if you need to get people riled for a game like this i mean all you got to do is check out that video because mm-hmm. his pregame speech i mean i wanted to freaking drop the camera and just go nuts and flip a table <laughs> like i want to drive my car through the stadium like i was like you know i think these players were just instantly ready to completely do battle the mentality was war it was and you know the thing that was most amazing about this game, I think, was that the first play, Baltimore scored a huge touchdown. I know. And all of that stuff that had just been said and all of that hype that had just occurred, I was like, oh, damn. How quiet? All did- of that air is just out. I about to say, how and, quiet did the arena uh, get? 
it got really quiet and I was like genuinely nervous for Albany. I thought, wow, how are they going to come back from this? This is like the opposite of what you want to happen, obviously. But just like the uh, Chicago Bears opening the Super Bowl a few years ago with okay. with a kick return touchdown, it doesn't mean much if you can't sustain it. And Albany just had an answer for everything else. And uh, that hype carried out. And my God, they just blanketed Baltimore. And Shane Boyd didn't have it. Shane Morris tried his best but didn't have it. Uh, and that it just got, went back to what we were saying all season about their quarterback situation. It, if it entirely relies on how hot the player is because they go hot and cold, it's a recipe for disaster in games like this. And, and then, uh, and then yeah. Q, Q just went off. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything that Albany did right throughout this season was on full display in this game. And that's exactly what they needed obviously, yeah. to start the playoffs. And, and it was a opposite of what happened last year. I think they learned their lesson with coming in overly confident uh, to a fault mm-hmm. going into the Washington playoff series last year. And this year, they corrected every single mistake that they made and just drubbed Baltimore. So, you know, from a coach, I, I, I the thing I'm most curious about said what Seth has to say about this is, do you think that's a coaching thing? Do you think that comes down to just whether the players want it more? So I guess we'll see. What, uh, John, what you saw the games, what what about each of the interceptions that the Empire had were both unique in themselves. I mean, you know, Tevin, uh, Tevin's homers, uh, it was, his was off the, was his off the net? His was off Terrence Moore's hands and the Terrence Moore's interception was off the net. There we go. There we go. <laughs> It's, it's from John. What what stood out to you defensively? Obviously, you know for for offense, you know uh, Quentin Sims was a beast, having five touchdowns and 106 yards. You know Grady uh, of his 15 completed passes, seven of them were for touchdowns. Um, but defensively, what stood out for you uh, for the Albany uh, Empire in this huge win in uh, uh, Week One of the playoffs? I mean, really, they played well as a unit. The the whole defense, specifically more so the backfield with Cheatham Norrells, Moore, Homer, Fritz, and you know Richardson getting in there a little bit too, and Rodney Fritz having three sacks is, I mean that was huge. It was like a, a loss of almost twenty yards total there. Uh, they just played lights out defense, and the game that they played defensively, you, I mean, seeing Coach Keefe's speech that Ben posted and that the league posted, you can see why the defense played the way they do, especially with Coach Keefe being a defensive back or a former defensive back and being, you know, like the defensive back's coach essentially for the team as well. So, I mean, I expect nothing but really overall top-tier defense from them. Ben, uh, real quick before we get to the next game, what's your thought on, on newly acquired Maurice Leggett? He, he obviously played in the arena league a while ago, but he stepped into this defense and he's made a huge uh, impact ever since joining the Firebird, uh, Firebirds, Empire, <laughs> <laughs> joining the Empire two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised, but always the AFL has something surprising to show you when the playoffs come around and these players who have not been on the teams all season suddenly step in because they have no requirements for how long a player has to be on the team. I mean, it seems to happen every season. Yeah. So he's just another piece of the puzzle, and I think that uh, Coach Keefe and his squad obviously have such a good eye for talent um, to have built such a dominating team 
uh, it just makes sense. He's just another piece of that puzzle. Uh, Albany for the second week in a row scored 40 points in the second half. Heading over to the Washington Phillies uh, Philly game, uh, John, what surprised you the most? Obviously, I mean, was it how poorly that uh, Arvell Nelson played, or was it just uh, you know for a a team that has been in such turmoil all year with all the roster losses, et cetera? You know, how, or was it how prepared Coach Dozell had this team for Washington? I want to say three things, four mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Coach had them very prepared for this game. Secondly, I don't think the Valor had any game plan for Darius Money Reynolds yep. on offense as a wide receiver at all. I think that was like they walked into the arena and they saw him warming up with the defensive backs and then the game starts and all of a sudden he's on offense. <laughs> and I think that was a huge part of it. And then James Romaine having three interceptions, taking away three Valor drives, and not only taking them away, but those three interceptions totaled for 79 yards. So they ended up with excellent field position three times to be able to score. And I think two of those were the uh, Adrian Ferns. They were the, the fourth quarter one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I, I just think there were a few unfortunate things that happened for Washington and a little bit of great game planning on Philadelphia's part. I still think that without those interceptions, you could say that Washington would have had a good game because they were on, on pace going downfield to get into the end zone. Yeah. Um, I know I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't check. I forgot what the roster said. Who took the place of money on defense? Um, Oh, it was a a newer player who was playing his first AFL game, his first professional game of all time, no Tyrell kidding. Robinson. Yeah, I was just going to say Tyrell. was yeah. just plugged in, No, uh, had never played an arena game, and they <laughs> just put him in that position, and he did well. It was absolutely crazy. Wow. It, was so, yeah, he, it was so Coach Dozell to do that. He finished uh, fourth fourth in tackles with five on just the team. Insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's just, he had a couple that's like penalties that were just like hasn't played before penalties, yeah, but yeah. – he was great. That, and and that's a huge thing. I said for it, it was a huge, you know, Coach Dozell's done that already once this year. He did that once on a two-point convert with the shovel pass, sort of a trickery, trickery there. And this time around, this was the biggest mind game. That's, that's what it sounds like, John, about them. You know, money money's going to be on uh, on defense. And lo and behold, psych! He's now in the. He's now he's now playing for starting O, and and look what happened. It's, I know the Dariuses are back, and all of a sudden it's you know Arena Bowl thirty again, and there's a serious threat out there on the field. All seems all seems to be like well in the world now that he's back at receiver. It just felt very nostalgic and. Like we're back in effect, and yeah. I cannot wait to see what this arena ball oh, is going to look oh, like. It's going to be interesting. Now, um, Ben, from what you saw, why did Arvell play so poorly? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know that there's any real way to explain it. I mean, as John was saying, uh, without the picks, I mean, the thing is, you can sort of take away two of those interceptions because they happened in the fourth quarter, like you know, well after they had any shot of scoring uh, or winning or even winning this playoff series. Um, so I, overall there was just an ineptitude with getting the ball, you know, converting fourth downs. They had a lot of drives that just completely died on the vine. Uh, the souls defense really stepped up as we'd expect them to. And again, and this is another thing I want to ask said, like, how does this happen? How does a team so hot just lay this gigantic egg from just a team culture perspective? 
So, I, you know, I don't know that there's a real way to explain it other than it, it happened in both games. So clearly there's just a precedent of a team can just come into the situation, maybe too hyped, maybe overly confident or and just completely chunk it. Yeah. So, so it's unfortunate, but. Yeah. So you happen to bring up, let's go ahead and let's take that left turn at Albuquerque and let's let's go ahead and uh, let's bring Sid and we'll, we'll put everything else, we'll table everything else and we'll talk about it after we finish with Sid. So online with us now is Hall of Famer, quarterback, TV color commentator extraordinaire, Sid Bonner. How are you, man? It's good to speak with you. I'm well. I'm well, Cap. Uh, uh, extraordinaire. That's awesome, man. That's high praise. I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> you got to mix everything in there together, man. You you seem to be you've done it all. So, um, speaking of doing and possibly seeing it all, um, in your <laughs> career as a broadcaster and i know the aggregate series thing is is something that the league brought in just last year but and we're talking about it at the beginning of the show it really throws a wrench into things and does it do you think it makes the league look bad that the two teams that basically are a a plus 71 going into week two of the of the playoffs i don't think it's bad i mean it's just part of it man it's i mean they don't say that when you know man U is up on you know five goals on somebody in the euro league i mean it's just part of part of the games i mean if you go out and execute and play and and do all the little things and don't try to get far ahead don't get greedy do all those things and just keep the game close then then you know you have a true shot and and listen you still have to play the game yeah just like philly erupted just like albany erupted uh baltimore as well as as well as Washington can both erupt and, and make it close. So you still have to play the game. I think it keeps it interesting. Nobody expected those games to go the way they did. Um, probably expected, you know, Baltimore's defense to be able to handle Albany a little bit better since they'd done that early in the year and, and DC had not been handled by Philly. Uh, they take care of taking care of Philly all year long. Teams, and um, it just totally, things just kind of unraveled on them. What what's your thought though when you have like an Arvell Nelson who is in the thick of things for one of the major awards I'm sure in the AFL and also um, it, it seems that both the quarterbacks you know both Shanes in in Baltimore just they just really really just blew it I mean they they just were not themselves I mean uh, how does an Arvell Nelson go from being you know one of the best uh, offensive quarterbacks in the league this year to that <laughs> Well, first of all, I, I don't want to take anything away from um... Albany's defense and, and Philadelphia's defense. Obviously, they both came in with tremendous game plans. Yeah. Um, but the self-inflicted wounds uh, hurt you every time, especially in the playoffs. It's it's hard to be competitive. Self-inflicted wounds of turnovers, and that's something you know, especially for Arvell. Because truth be told, and I have to be honest about it, I had Arvell as the MVP because he shouldered ninety-seven point something percent of his team's offense. Um, and of the 70-some-odd touchdowns they scored, he only didn't score one of those or wasn't a part of scoring one of those. So I I had him as my MVP. Uh, he did not perform like an MVP. Uh, you look back at last year's playoffs, just one turnover um, in, in the playoffs yeah. coming down the stretch. And that those are the things that have plagued Darvell uh, when he's had, had some troubles are the turnovers. Um, but I still think he's such a, a weapon out there. Like, it's totally different um and he shoulders so much for that team do you think the difference in not having coach stafford as their oc this year made a ton of difference at all or do you think it it, you know considering how well he did do as you said you put him as your mvp did it really make a difference at all i i I just think 
you have those games. You have a team that has a um, a tremendous game plan against you, and they do not they don't falter off of their game plan for one second. Okay. Uh, Philly and Philly was locked in defensively. Um, they got two sacks on a guy that was sacked sometimes all season. Um, they did a really good job of forcing him to move where they wanted him to move and not allow him to get out and get loose and do what he wanted to do. I think the game plan that Clint drew up, um, you know, was, was fantastic. And, and uh, you know, they, they just did such a great job. And then you look at Albany, the same thing. You know, um, they would go out and just execute each and every down defensively. And even on the scoring scoring plays, they were, they were competitive plays. Like, uh, there was competition on the plays. Not a ton of blown coverages. And those kind of things that when you're when you're trying to throw the ball down the field, um, like both those teams do at times, you you depend on somebody to blow some coverage and somebody to get wide open. Those things didn't happen. Right. Do you see uh, both Albany and Philly sweeping both of these series, or do you think that uh, well, obviously the hope is for competitive games? But what what's your thought from from what you've heard and from what you've seen going into Week Two of the of the aggregate series? Well, I, I just it's going to be tough. It, it's it's going to be tough for both. Is it impossible? Absolutely not. Um, it's not impossible, but um, something that we we've never seen, and 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 you know, they semifinals of, of playoffs is somebody back from thirty five down and thirty six down. Yeah, um, they're going to have to play clean games, um, and and really just, I mean, take some gambles. I mean, there's so many things that have to happen. Uh, the favor is definitely in the hands or, or the momentum is definitely in the hands of, of Philadelphia as well as Albany. Um, the, the, the thing is Philadelphia gets to go back home. Albany has to go on the road to Baltimore um, and play. That's the only difference. I just think that team is locked in uh, at their experience a year ago, talking about Albany with their experience from a year ago, they, they didn't want to repeat that. Didn't want to have that happen. That team is locked in and they're just playing extremely well. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get away from the playoffs a little bit. We have, uh, as I mentioned to you, and I'm sure you saw on social media, there are some questions uh, that we asked the fans. I know Ben and John want to ask you some stuff here too. But one last thing, because I know you already said who you're who you, you were going to pick as MVP, but give us a little bit teaser of who you chose for head coach of the year and why. Teaser? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's what I won't disclose. I'm going <laughs> to keep that one close. But I'll give you something else. Okay, go I ahead. Won't give you. Yeah. There's, there's. Let's just put it this way. There were. A couple of different choices. Um, uh, so, so Rob, Rob Keith, and Clint Dozell were, were my final two. Okay. Choices. Okay. So, um, and Clint, just because you know they all they lost three straight, uh, battled the team back. They're playing as well as anybody. That last game against Albany and Albany was kind of a throwaway game, um, but they played the game. Uh, but I think Clint was. Uh, Really good this year, dealing with a lot of different receivers. You know, they didn't have money rentals for 11 games of the season um, playing receivers. So you had one guy out there with, with with a ton of experience. He got a lot out of Lonnie Outlaw. He got a lot out of rookie B.J. Bunn. Um, uh, that defense uh, was patched up on the defensive line for a long time, and then they slowly got into things. Um, he did a terrific job. And then the other guy is Rob Keefe. Um, you know, to, to be able to get back – and, and to get your guys locked in um, pretty much all season long. You, you really only uh, got taken out to the woodshed one time, and that was by Philly and Philly. Yeah. Um, to, to have those guys locked in after their experience a year ago and really get back and, and really uh, um, 
<clears throat> be about the mantra of unfinished business, I, I think Rob deserves it as well. Okay, that's fair. All right, um, guys, uh, I know, Ben, you want to ask some questions. Go, I guess go go for it, and uh, then John, you, and then we can get to the fans' questions for said. And uh, thank everybody. By the way, by the way, let me just say, let me just say this, Ben, you're a great writer, dude. You do a great job. Oh, thanks, Ed. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, I actually, uh, during the broadcast of the DC game, I just sensed this tremendous disappointment that you had with the performance of Baltimore and just the fact that they just, after that first kickoff return for a touchdown, it was just a disaster after that. And you mentioned that Albany and, and Philly, from their coaching perspectives, yeah, they had incredible game plans. It was just they stuck to them throughout the games, and it all worked out from that perspective. But when I'm looking at Baltimore's team, from a coaching perspective of the losing teams, what did you think What are the shortcomings there? Um, I, I just think at times, uh, and, you know, you can have a game plan, but those guys have to go out and execute the game plan, right? You can only do um, – you can only do so much. You're, you're kind of handcuffed. You can't want to execute. You can't want to win more than, and I'm not saying that the players didn't want to win because they did. Everybody out there wants to win. However, you got to go out and execute with in mind that it's, it's especially with the circumstances with the aggregate scoring, um, you, you definitely don't want to get in a game where you lose control of it and, and get blown out. I, I thought um, just the execution from, from Baltimore, and that's why you saw the change of quarterback. Um, and then in the D.C. game, in Washington's game plan, I, I thought they took too many shots down the field early. They weren't connecting, so they never got anything underneath, and Arville never really got into a good, smooth rhythm. And I, those are kind of some of the things you're going to see probably different uh, second go-around. Interesting. Yeah, Ben, did you, I think you had a – when we were talking about the playoffs, you had another question too, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Can you remind me what it was? I yeah, no. <laughs> well I've, I've got one okay john yeah go john so said ben and tim and myself we were talking earlier about how we felt in regards to things uh looking forward in the future with the possibility of a neutral site how do you like for the arena bowl how do you feel about that do you think that's something that's a negative or a positive uh, i think it's I don't think it's ever a negative thing. I think, uh, especially if you can, maybe you say, you know, if you can get to a point where it's like, we're going to reward um, the city with the biggest fan base or the city that shows up with the highest attendance level uh, on the season. We're going to, that's where we're going for the game. And, and those kind of things are awesome. Um, and also like if you have markets that you're trying to tap into that, you know, are good markets, uh, and they're also kind of destination type places, then you could do that as well. I, I, I don't have any problem with it. Um, before, you know, we, I played in the last in 07, or excuse me, 04, before they um, started uh, going back to neutral sites. Uh, we were at home in 04, and then they went to Vegas, and they went to uh, Vegas again, and they went to New Orleans a couple of times, and then when we came back, it just went back to being at a home place. So I think there's pros and cons both ways. I, I really like it, especially if it's a, you know how the major league all-star game is. Well, whichever team wins, um, that team is the home team in the world series. So it's kind of like a, a way to get your fans involved and make sure that they're coming out to support. Um, and, and maybe you can get, be awarded the rainbow. It, it's, you know, there's a lot of other logistics in it. It's not that simple, but to me that, that, that would, that would be how I would do it. 
Cool. Yeah, I've uh, I've always been a proponent of the neutral site gang said, and it's uh, you know it, 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 I'm the best circumstance. You know, we're able to to book our as I mentioned to the guys earlier, we can book our flights early. The league has more time to do whatever they need to do and and get TV set up, et cetera, et cetera. So it's uh, well, I think if it if it does go to that cap, what what do you know they're going to do? They're going to probably have to take that week off in between. Well, we were saying that right. if, if they do the neutral site game, we were thinking also if they add more teams, they have to add more games because you have teams that are currently going to lose games if they get rid of the aggregate series. So, right. you know, it's it's a matter of do you go six teams in the playoffs where two get a bye week or I, I don't know what the league's thinking of doing. I uh, We'll have to obviously pick Commissioner Bo's brain when we see him at Arena Bowl, but... Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something we've done before. You know, top seeds got buys and uh, played second round and and a lot of times it didn't go well. I hated getting that first round by. I love that we were at home, but that first round by when you're sitting around and everybody else is playing and they're in locked in and playoff mode, it was hard. Yeah. So that's yeah, that is something that's that was done for years and years. Um, if there are eight teams, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are if on having another four team playoff. I just don't think it would be. Po- I don't think the league would do that. I think they're they're wanting to move on from the four team playoff. Do you think they would ever do that yeah. again, or do you think they'd make it six and then two no. get eliminated just like this year? I I, I think it would it would be um, kind of what Cap said. You probably have six in top two with the bye, and and the other two play to get into the semis. You know. What I mean? You know, to yeah. play to try to play play for the semis. I don't I don't know if the aggregate scoring. It does like I said, it does keep it interesting. Um but but it is uh definitely different than any any other football uh outside of soccer uh in the world. Right. I think last year it's like you get the perfect example of where aggregate scoring is an actual exciting playoff yeah. format. Last year was great, I thought. I thought everyone went into it with sort of a negative attitude and, and it ended up surprising us all. And then this year right. It was just bad luck. It's just the first week. It's like this is exactly the opposite of what you'd want to happen. Absolutely, you guys say it. Wah 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 wah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, do you it, let's say if the league does go to uh, let's say eight teams next year, whether it be eight or ten, whatever? Do you see it being, uh, in your opinion, would you go with uh, one eight-team league, or would you go with two? Uh, would you make it a little bit more interesting in introducing uh, divisions again? I don't. I don't know if I probably do. I don't know if I do divisions until um, maybe 10, 10 to twelve teams, and I, probably twelve, yeah. so you could get even number of teams in there. Um, I, I'd probably wait until twelve. I, you could do it, but you're still running through your division a ton and, and not really spreading around playing a bunch of different teams. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd probably wait until I got to an even number, like of twelve teams, to to go back to, um, like a, a, you know, southeastern or eastern or whatever right. national conference, right. whatever they want to call it. Yeah, American makes sense. Makes sense. Any more questions, guys, from us before we get to the to the fans uh, fan questions? I guess blue sky kind of question. Um, in terms of where the league is headed, uh, you know, you played when it was very franchise based. And uh, it was sort of on each team as as a business to to succeed, and the league as a whole was taking on franchises to pay for the you know the doors to stay open. and And I'm curious what you just think of the current single entity model overall, and the idea that you know the league's success is sort of based on the collective success of how they market it and and what they're doing overall to 
you know, put bedding forward and, and, and things like that. I, I like it. I, I don't like, uh, I thought the other, the old way at times turned into kind of a money grab at times. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just let anybody in and, and they're doing their due diligence. And, um, the owners that are coming in now have been solid owners. I, I like what the leaders is doing right now. I really do. Um, and, and it's only going to get stronger and stronger as they continue to work well together. Right. Because they're all working in the same direction. You know, when you have uh, certain guys that don't, don't want to uh, go by the, go by the letter of the law and do things the right way. And um, you don't like that owner or he doesn't like that. Owner, well, now you're, you're all in a collective pot together. So you have to work together. You might not like the guy, but you have to work together because it's trying to build your business model or your entity up. Uh, to the strongest it can be and it can blow up man if they just continue to do what they're doing stay on course um and and again like i said the old way at times turned into a money grab and and i don't see them doing that right now they're letting in really solid ownership groups and 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 people that uh that really want to be a part of it and not just uh you know not just some guy that's in a bar and be like hey i got a couple no i want to be a, a football owner i want to be an owner and you know so um Real owners, I should say, and and love every part of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. weird to be going back to basically the uh, the Jim Foster days of the first couple of years where it was single entity. But I I agree with yeah. you. Said it's we don't need any more Las Vegases like it was a few years ago, where just to bring in somebody or a name, just to bring in somebody and have a team. Yeah. The league, yeah, the, the I, league's I, doing I, it right. No, it's past that. Come on, man. Thirty-two years. Let's yeah. Let's just let's just do what we're doing and, and build it and slow and steady because that that's, what's going to get it done. Exactly. I agree. John, anything? do you think I'm, I'm sorry? I just sorry. one more question. No, ahead, I just thought of, um, I've always batted around this idea that the AFL potentially the most successful way the AFL can build is to have these local markets like Albany that are just primed to love arena football. And that the idea of having this national product, which is what, they tried to do, which eventually got bloated, and you know, to make video games and to and to invest insane amount of money in management, um, that that ne- wasn't necessarily the way to go. Do you think the AFL uh, would benefit from trying to become a national brand again, or do you think that the I, local-based concept is is better? I think there's room for both, and I also, but I also feel, um, <clears throat> you know, I could remember being in Arizona um, if we had a bye week or something, you know there were times where we'd get the Chicago Philadelphia game. Well, people in Arizona don't give a crap about Chicago <laughs> right, Philadelphia right. play. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if they, if they were to keep it regional on those levels uh, with something national, maybe a one ga- a game a week on a national level, like on TV, a national level, big time game, like we did on ESPN years ago, Monday nights were um, uh, a real football nights. It was awesome. Yeah, do it that way and keep the rest regionally based. You build your fan base that way. I think we tried to reach too many people. You know, like I said, we're, you know, they're showing Arizona games, Arizona, San Jose games in Philly. Nobody cares in Philly. You know what I mean? They want to see their team and their conference, their league with those kind of things. Um, so I think there's room for both. It's just a matter of how they do it. Um, you can't make a, you can't make Dan Rodabaugh a star and, you know, if, if the league, continues to grow. You can't make Dan Rodabaugh a star in um, Denver, Colorado. Just just to throw right. a name out there. Can't. Right. You, you, you got to use that Eastern Seaboard, make him a star where they're going to see him. That's that's what you do. And as the league grows, uh, 
word of mouth and names grow that way. It's, it's, you can't try to force it down people's throats. You got to let them see what's in front of them and what they want. That's fair. John, anything? Nothing, but if you don't mind, I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to open it up with the fan questions. Okay, first want to thank everybody for, for chiming in, whether it be on Twitter or on Facebook, with the hashtag AskSed. Uh, Sed did, ask, uh, did actually answer quite a few questions on Twitter. We want to thank everybody for doing that. And what we're going to be doing is asking questions that came to our Facebook page. So, John, the moderator, go for it, sir. Uh, make sure you mention the name of the fan and uh, go ahead and ask the question. Of course, so sad. This is from J.H. Otto. He says, which AFL players will we see on XFL rosters? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I Like right off the top of my head, um, Malachi Jones, if not if, if he's not in an NFL, NFL camp, um, <sighs> trying to think, maybe Joel Powell. There's a lot of guys that uh, Keontae Norton, there's a lot of guys Kevin Homer, a lot of guys that can play, um, a lot of young guys that can play. And they're not NFL camps. Um, they'll, they'll, I think, for sure be in XFL camp. Some of those guys that I mentioned, um, Hollis, those, some of those guys were in, jeez, um, oh, I'm, I'm losing my mind right now, but the league that just folded. The Alliance, um, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of those guys were in that league. There's a lot of talented guys, man. It's, it's um, you know, it, it's what it's for. It's for you to keep playing. I think we'll see quite a bit. John, next one. Next one they is... They get kind of thin. People are asking about what kind of shoes players wear. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Um, okay. Said this shoes one... are basketball shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jordans or nothing. This one's from uh, Daniel Vassar, Vassarev. Uh what is your analysis of the direction of the league? And he says he's a long-time San Jose Sabercat season ticket holder. Oh, one of the guys that I love to hate. Loved going there. <laughs> and how abusive they were in San Jose. But love that matchup. Uh, I, I do like the model they're going. I, I, I do feel at some point um, they're, they're going to venture back Midwest and then back out West. Um, I have no problems with what they're doing right now. The I mean, to analyze it, I think they're being smart. They're picking up pockets where you have natural, natural arteries built in um, in some of these cities uh, that are close, and then they'll spread it and move it back uh, the other direction. But I, I, I really like it. I like where they're going. I do, however, miss the San Jose, Arizona rivalry. I do miss the L.A. team being in there. Like, I miss it all. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for that question, Daniel. And then we got another one from... Dave Williams, he asks, do you ever think the AFL will go back to Ironman football like it used to be back in the day? Man, that's a tough one for me because I'm, I'm kind of a purist. I loved it. I love the strategy involved with uh, having to coach guys up on both sides of the ball. Um, I love the fact that you had to uh, be mindful of your substitution patterns and, and things like that. So there was strategy in having two line groups that played and having the sub guys in and, and kind of the rules that went along with that. I miss it. I loved it. I'm a purist. So for me, you know, I, I, I did pretty well with defensive linemen blocking for me. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, Clint, Clint Dozell did pretty well. Andy Kelly, all those guys, Mark Grieve, all those guys, Aaron Garcia, all those guys did well with defensive linemen blocking for him. So it's, it could be done. I just don't know if it will, will ever go back. Cool. Thanks Dave. And I'll go with one more from Giancarlo. 
he says, hey, said, what do you <laughs> think should be the next steps for the AFL to confirm itself in the current growth trend? Uh, I just, I, I think stay on path, stay on course, because I, I, the course that they're on right now, um, you know, with the growth, we, two teams last year, um, more than likely going to get at least two teams coming in this next year. I just think stay on course of what they're doing. Um, it, it, it's awesome right now. There's labor peace. There's all these things that are positive in what's happening. Um, I just, I just think stay on course. And Giancarlo, welcome by the way. I'm glad you'll be there in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm pretty. I, we're all pretty excited yeah, we're about pretty that. For that man, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Tim, I've do got you kind see of any... a random question that that is in lieu of these other questions. So, if we were talking about the AFL Hall of Fame last week and how we wish it was still around and and who we might want to induct if they brought back brought it back for the first class uh, coming back, and I'm curious. If you had three players that you could induct tomorrow uh, to the updated AFL Hall of Fame, who would they be? Let me think. I got a kazoo right now. It's been so long since we even talked about it. Um, (laughs) Is Mark Grieve in? Grieve is not in, I don't think. Mark Mark Grieve would be number one on that list. Um, Is AG in yet? No. No. Come on. Easy one. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two. To me, those are two easy ones. and Nick hasn't been out enough yet, but uh, if I have to go away from quarterbacks, is Chris Jackson in yet? Nope. No. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that are deserving, a, a ton of guys that are deserving. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I'd have to sit down and think on that one. You just stumped the Schwab right now. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like it. I do, I do know those first two for sure are my first two, Garcia and Greed. Yeah. Those are definitely my first two. Yeah. Without question. No doubter. What about an, uh, an an old school player player like James Barron? JB deserves to be in there as well. I I, I think uh, JB. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Jermaine Smith. Yeah. JB Jermaine Smith. You want to talk about pass rushers? Um, there's there's some guys that that were really good. Cedric Walker, Cecil Doggett. Mm-hmm. Um, there's DBs that. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Yeah. There's a lot of guys. A yeah, lot of guys here. and. We, yeah, we got to get this thing going again. That's the next. That's the next next big thing. I think we got to get the get the Hall of Fame going again. Yeah, I agree. I think I think said you're you're now officially the head of the committee. So, <laughs> yeah, you've been anointed <laughs> just now. So. That's your <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. I will use I will use all of my powers, which are none. Thanks. <laughs> okay, very right. Thank you. Yeah. I was about to say. I think Randall. I think uh, Randall Bow and uh, John Adams may have a few few words to say about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> John, what were you, what were you going to say I'll, to me? You were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, do you see any other questions that you would like to ask uh, vis-a-vis the fans? I didn't. Not that none that said hasn't answered on Twitter. Right. Um, I, I got I, another I, one. I, I, I actually got a question for you, Sid. All right, go for it, Tim. Um, what is the one playoff moment that stands out in your mind the most from your career? Besides winning the Arena Bowl. <laughs> besides winning the Arena Bowl. It wouldn't be a win. I would never. I got a couple of them. Um, not showing up for the game in San Jose, getting getting our butts whooped, uh, losing on a two point conversion in Tampa Bay in the semifinals in 1996. Uh, I can keep going on and on. Dude. I can keep going on. Um, putting up 30 something points against players at home home in the semis. Um, when we had one of the best offenses in the league, putting up 30 points, embarrassing to this day. Um, like there's a lot, 
and they're none of the wins, if that makes sense. It's about to say, none yeah, I was waiting for you to give us, give us one for, for a win. <laughs> There's no, none of the wins, trust me. Even the last Arena Bowl in 04 that I played in, in San Jose, or in Arizona against San Jose, just coming down fire, we didn't get it. Like, I replayed that probably once a week. Wow. It'll wake me up from sleep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I'm like an elephant. I don't let it go. It's, yeah. But I love it. I still love it. You, uh... Said you do know they're a therapist for that type of thing, right? Yeah, no, I'm not paying. I'm not paying anybody for that. I just, I just, I just pass the word on that. Take advantage of your moment, man. Don't don't let any moment pass you. That's just my 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 deal with these dudes. Yeah, take advantage of every moment. You never know when you're going to see it again, man. Yeah, Ben, you said you had one. Yeah, this is a little bit uh, looking forward to the off season, skipping the playoffs for a second. Um, the, I think Atlantic City's situation with their quarterbacks is one of the most interesting because they've got Randy Hippard, who was their you know de facto starter because he's Randy Hippard. But having seen what Warren Smith did once out of that injury, he had to come in. Now I'm wondering, what is AC supposed to do? They've got Warren Smith, who absolutely lit it up at the end of the season. But is then it, you've is got it up to them. Is it up to AC? Well, yeah. Let's say it's up to AC of who they bring back. I, like, let's say you're AC and that's your choice. Who would you pick there? Who would coach James? James? Well, yeah. well, that also depends. Is, is Stafford going to be there? I mean, there's growth. There's I, new teams coming. That's true too. That's true. Is Stafford yeah. going to be there? So, um, if if I try to keep them both, I'm greedy like that. And then then if if it turns out to be a problem, then maybe I trade trade one later down the road. If I can't get them both in camp, I make a trade. I'll make, I'll make a decision, but. Um, Warren, Warren showed he can play, but he showed that, uh, a little bit back in Spokane and it's been in first, um, yeah. when Randy's been healthy, when Randy's been healthy and on, he's been really consistent. Um, he's a little out of his element. He had some young guys. Um, so really I thought at times he was trying to force some things this year. Um, but I, I don't, you know, he's still a young enough guy that he can be successful for years to come. The question is, can you get somebody else, another backup in to just in case something happens? Cause Randy has been injured. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I love Warren. I think he brings energy, athleticism, and what he was able to do this year was ridiculous, ridiculous, but I want to see it more often. And the only way he's going to do that is if he can go off and play somewhere else. Yeah. Do you think that's a, that's an issue for the teams going for, for the league going forward said you just said it yourself. Uh, I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when, when I was playing, we had AF2, so guys came up ready to play. Um, now guys are, are, you know, Grant Russell this year, you know, never, you know, the guy that, that didn't take many snaps from underneath center, and now you're 99.9% every point your center. Except you're holding on field goals and extra points. Yeah, You're not taking any shotgun snaps. You have to take a snap from center, learn how to get back, and a drop and deliver the ball. Um those, those are all things that, um, and, and under the rest, no doubt, those are all things that you gain while playing and uh, you can't gain sitting there watching. So it's definitely been an area of, of concern. Just where are the young guys, the young quarterbacks? Um, uh, there are a couple of good guys. I like Grant. I also like Shane Morris. There are some young guys that I feel uh, could be really good. Same thing with uh, Mason Espinoza, and he got a few shots. Oh, absolutely. Year. The perfect absolutely. passer. And, and he. But see, he he actually when he when he gets in and he's been around. It's not like his first year, so he's been around, right? Right. So he he kind of has an understanding and a grasp. He's practiced with a really good team. 
um, a veteran team. He, he understands it. But you could see that calmness and the confidence he goes game when he goes in a game that he understands what he's doing. And he doesn't, you know what I mean? You could watch, you could see when a guy's out there trying to figure it out on the fly or when a guy is calm and executing. And that's what he looks like when he's out there playing. Right. Do you see, uh, considering how well he was balling in the last week of the season, will Kyle Rowley be back? Because he played really well considering he hadn't taken a snap in three years. Um, I don't know if I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Kyle is still a guy that can play and he's got to want to play, but he trains QB. So he's throwing, he's teaching, he's coaching all the time. So he's embedded in the game, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for him, he just had to catch up to the speed real quick. And then it, when it happened, he was just making plays all over the place. I, I think he returns. I, I don't, why wouldn't he? Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Unless he feels like he can't go a whole season, but why wouldn't he? There's not enough veterans uh, right now. And he's a guy, I think another guy that someone needs I can get is where's Bernard Morris. I thought Bernard Morris is, is, is another guy that's won a lot of games, played in a lot of conference championships, has a lot of experience. Uh, where's he? Somebody needs to go get him. Like there's some guys out there that can still play, and uh, you know that's they need to get some of those guys in to help these young guys along. Um, said as usual, we love speaking with you, hearing about your uh, your thoughts about the league. Um, uh, you are going to be doing the same game this week for the AFL Network, right? For the playoffs? Yes, Washington at Philadelphia Sunday. Sunday, 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 4 p.m. <laughs> and also, I know with I know the three of us will be there wherever the game's going to be. Uh, we will obviously sit down with you and maybe share a brew or two or a drink or two with you at Arena Bowl. It'll be great catching Only up. Only soda you. pops. Only soda pops, Captain. Oh, okay. So, soda pops. <laughs> oh, duels. <laughs> oh, duels. Sure. Oh, duels. Okay. <laughs> oh, duels on me, said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, All right, gents. Yeah, greatly appreciated, man. As as usual, you're you're a class act, and we uh, we always love talking with you. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Have a great afternoon, and uh, we'll talk later on this week or Monday morning sometime. Ciao. Thanks, Sad. Bye. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. Great having Sad on, guys. As usual, the, having a a guy who knows the league as well as he does, um, able to give the insight about the league, about you know his history and stuff like that. It's it's just great having him on. It's it's great to have a, a Hall of Famer on the on the show and be able to talk about the league and to talk about his new responsibility as head of the AFL Hall of Fame class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, he carries that responsibility well and but and I, does his job. You know, I, I can always say, uh, Randall, John, you can add us. We uh, uh, please reach out to us. We uh, we'd we'll love, help out. We'd love to be a part of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, talk about the talk about the news coming up that that came out this past week, and then just real quickly, a uh, quick note about the games this week. Um, that the Arena Football League guys announced the schedule for the post uh, postseason awards, uh, with the first one being uh, Thursday, uh, August first, which will be the first and second team. Uh, first and second team, uh, uh, all arena teams. Um, and then from there, it looks like they all of them are going to be announced before media day. Now, I want to know what your thought is on that, because over the past couple of years, the league has gotten away from having an award ceremony. Maybe, maybe I guess they may be fine. It's, it's boring. It's not worth the bandwidth. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What What's your thought on them just announcing everything and I guess being able to 
to interview whoever comes uh, to the Arena Bowl, you can interview them then. What's what's your thought on that, John, about them not having an actual award ceremony? Uh, you know, I think it it may make things easier logistically, and th- that's kind of their decision for doing it the way they have been. Right. Uh, especially last year, uh, you know, with the league being a little bit smaller in recent years compared to the past, you know, not, not having, you know, 10 plus teams. Right. Ben? Yeah. I mean, I, I always kind of looked at the awards thing, like a little banquet. It wasn't almost, it almost wasn't for public consumption. I mean, I don't think people watched it. Uh, it was, mo- I mean, some fans did of course, but it wasn't really meant for that. It was just meant for, oh, it was a nice league thing. Everyone's together and right. announcing the awards. I, I liked it. Um, and I, and they may still do it in some way, but it allows them to sort of do a controlled PR release of each uh, announcement instead of having to just dump everything online. That's true. Uh, yeah, and I think that's probably why. Okay. Uh, so the schedule goes, if you hadn't seen it online, uh, on the 2nd, it'll be offensive and defensive linemen. On the 5th, it'll be wide receiver and defensive back. On the 6th, kicker and rookie. On the 7th, support staff and officials. On the 8th, uh, head coach and assistant coach. Uh, and then on the ninth, the big three, offensive and defensive player of the year, and then the MVP. So, um, obviously, you heard what said what his possible choice would be for MVP. We, you, if you haven't seen our choices, we uh, did release them last week after the pod came out. You can go over to arenafan.com and uh, do a search for press releases for ArenaFan, and they will be there. Um, we are happy to be able to announce that we have had a successful uh, f- uh, funding campaign. Uh, thanks to everybody who donated uh, to make this happen and uh, Giancarlo. Uh, his dream will come true uh, where he will be attending his very first Arena Football League game at Arena Bowl 32. And uh, all of us know this is for sure, guys, because we we've seen his itinerary, <laughs> so we know he's coming. We um, forged all the proper documents. Yep, yep. yep. So I, I just can't think of a better way for somebody to see their very first game who's been watching it for, I guess we can say for thirty plus years. Uh, but it, that's what I've been telling everybody. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's our story, and we're sticking to it. Yeah, exactly. It, it'll be cool to finally meet him to put a, a voice to the face. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure to see, to see a grown man go giddy. Cause I, I, you know, I'm sure all three of us remember the first time we were, we when, when, well, when we walked into the, to, to the, to the stadium for the first time to see what the arena, you know, how arena football was set up. So for him, it's just going to be, I'm sure on total overload. <laughs> yeah. He's going to, he's, he's, going to be a grown man going giddy i think so yes yes he's going to go full giddy he's going to go full, going full giddy yeah yeah he's going to yeah i guess so i guess so <laughs> it's silly season and he's going giddy. oh shut up <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about it's clearly the second season i have no clue what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about no absolutely yeah you know there's nowhere on video on audio that has me saying oh wait never mind it's been wiped from the world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> struck from the record. Yeah, struck, struck from, struck from the record. Um, also, the Arena Football League and the Atlanta City Blackjacks announced yesterday that uh, they've appointed Adam Lorber 
as uh, vice president of operation for the Atlantic City Blackjacks. John, you and I talked about this just uh, not at length, but for a short period of time when you mentioned this and you sent us both thing, a picture of his, of his business card. Um, what's, what's your thought on, I guess, basically one person being the over, just being the overseer of a specific team or a region for this new Arena Football League? I think it's a great uh, choice by the league because they're stretching themselves a little thin this year uh, with executives having some of the ownership groups managing several teams at once. So uh, now having a new uh, high-level executive for the Blackjacks, it's going to take a little bit of pressure off of people like uh, even the president, John Adams, and more so like uh, George uh, Manias, yeah. uh, Manias. I forget how to say it properly. Sorry, George. Uh, but I think I think it's great. It's a great move. Ben, for you? Yeah, I think that this is something the AFL is going to have to do long term in order to manage their regions. And, uh, you know, as they continue to expand, it just doesn't make sense for a single league office to be managing all these teams that they're implementing. They have to have some sort of local management. And it's the only way for this to work. So I yeah. think it's a great first step. Um, uh, Mr. Lorber will be overseeing day-to-day operations of the Blackjacks, who were previously managed by Trifecta Sports and Entertainment. As the league assumes control of business operations of the team, uh, Lorber is charged with continuing to grow the team as a successful inaugural season. Um, what, um, by the way, his, his history uh, in uh, business operations... Uh, he was actually the VP of Business Development for the Staten Island Yankees for three seasons. So, um, John, you did meet him, right? Yeah, I did. He seems like a very pleasant, upbeat guy. Um, not too serious or menacing. <laughs> was he giddy? Oh, uh, he looks like he could go giddy. Oh, no. <laughs> I fear how giddy this man might be. Uh, I could have said, said squeal like a schoolgirl. You could have said that. I, would, sure. would, would you have made more fun of me? I probably would have done the same thing <laughs> overall. Pretty much my uh, MO <laughs> to take things and run with them until they're completely dead. Oh, man. Uh, ben, come on. Give me an ooey. There we go. That was a good one. How about Ashley? was a good one? Um, <laughs> so the games this week uh, on Saturday, it'll be Albany at Baltimore. The game will be on ESPN Sports Washington, NBC Sports Washington, and My Four in Albany. Uh, the game on Sunday, Washington, Philadelphia will be on ESPN and uh, NBC Sports Washington. Games at 7 o'clock and 4 o'clock, respectively. Uh, the lines for this game, and I know it really doesn't matter, guys, but it's it just curious to know the guys who do actually uh, who bet on the Arena League, and there are we know there are quite a few that actually do bet on the Arena League. Uh, as of this taping, uh, wow, it's actually gone gone uh, up or down. I don't know what it is. Anyways, um, Albany is favored by eight and a half points, and Philadelphia is favored by nine and a half. Um, I know we're not really betters, guys, but do you think, obviously, the, the, the aggregate point total, I'm sure, made a difference in when, how high these, these lines actually are, in your opinion, right? Uh, I don't know. I really? I mean, like I said, this is week 14 going into week 15, yeah. you know, from my point of view. And I think those are fair assessments based off of Albany and Philadelphia's performance the last six weeks. I, for, you know, for, I don't, I actually disagree with you. The, I think I disagree with you on that because I think that the, if it were a regular, regular season game, the uh, Washington Valor uh, Philly one would be, I think it would be lower. 
I think the aggregate series, uh, the aggregate totals has made a huge difference in what it is. I'm just curious to know what the over-under is going to be. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. But obviously, with the, the game's coming out, as we will find out as soon as the game ends on Saturday, uh, if Albany will be hosting the Arena Bowl. Um, I know that uh, a lot of our stuff has already been done as far as where we're going to go, where we're going to stay, and, and so on and so on. But um, uh, any, are you looking forward to anything with either of these games, Ben? Am I looking forward to anything? Yeah, I mean, as I said. Well, I think there's some intrigue to the idea that when you go into both of these games, Albany and Philly have virtually no motivation because they've already basically won them. So the question is really, does that seriously affect the scores to the degree that Baltimore and Washington have any chance? Right. You know, if you go into these games saying, oh, we, we won, we don't have to worry about this. Are they just going to get steamrolled? Does that even matter? Do the teams want, like, you know, like a, this is like a last regular season game where you've already clinched. You know, how well do teams perform in those games? Sometimes they get completely trounced, and sometimes they're, you know, dominant as always. I think, you know, we saw the last regular season game last uh, this year, you know, it didn't mean anything. So I, I think I'm just curious how these games play out. Um, at, without any real hope that Baltimore or Washington have any chance. And if they do, I think the the last intriguing thing about these games is that it would be beyond historical for either of these teams to come back in yeah. their series. So that's maybe something to look out for. John, for you, anything? are you looking forward to anything for either of these games? I think I'm just uh, looking forward to seeing Philadelphia and uh, Baltimore have some home games, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be at the game in Washington this week? Are you going to be shooting? At, 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 I think, Ben, you're shooting one of these games, right? Yeah, I'm in Philly. Okay. John? I may end up in Baltimore. Uh, it's going to depend on my work schedule. Okay. Well, uh, do not forget that we are on social media. There are multiple places where you can find us. You can find us over on Twitter, on Facebook, or on Instagram. Um, if you want to listen to the archive for AFL Tonight, you can do so by heading over to Google Play Music, to Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, if you do want to reach out to uh, to the show, you can do it through me at tim.capper at arenafan.com. And if you want to follow us personally on Twitter, uh, John, they can find you at? They can find me at 553. But to make it easier, just go to my website. Mm, That's thejohnstark.com. Ben? Just spell it out. You can follow me at Ben Fraternale. On Twitter, I'm posting some 50-yard dash clips. I'm posting some links to Trojan viruses. If anyone wants to just destroy their computers, that's that's totally my thing. I'll reach um, with comment. Yeah, please RT. Um, I'm trying to spread these viruses as far as I can take them. So, yeah, please throw me a follow. And at Fraternale on Instagram or at 50-yard dash, as, as I hope you know by now. Nice. That's so is the password if lost if lost fans happen to download the Trojan horse the password to get out will be the the infamous numbers? Yes, it will be four eight fifteen sixteen twenty three forty two, which is my Wi Fi password, and I believe my <laughs> Wi Fi network is open to any lost fan, and thus I don't care if you know it. Just use my internet; you deserve it. So what? So if anybody wants to try to find your your uh, your Wi Fi, it's under uh, Penny's boat or not Penny's it's boat? It's Dharma Initiative web link. First, you'll need to find my house. <laughs> Which you probably could 
do with the white pages. So I'm just going to go ahead and open myself up to a cyber attack. Oh, nice, nice. That, that's 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 very that's that's very nice of you. That's very nice. yeah. I'm sort of into it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Repact. That's R E P P A C T. So, gents, next week uh, we will have uh, the matchup to talk about for Arena Bowl 32. I'm sure there'll be a lot more to talk about, including all of the announcements so far of the uh, for what will be the, the postseason awards up to that time. So, guys, uh, be safe. I will speak to you guys very shortly. And for you, the fans, enjoy the week. Uh, we will speak to you next week. So, for everybody here at AFL Tonight, for John Stark, for Ben Fratronale, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net. I'm so leaving that in.